Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, hope you continue to enjoy the front row because we certainly enjoy bringing it to you. And we bring it to you commercial free courtesy of the Dunlap Champions Club. You've heard us talk about it. It's a great deal. Football season is uh, ticking ever closer. I know the countdowns are going. Uh, they've got a half season ticket package on sale if you want to test drive the champion, the Dunlap Champions Club, which means you get to choose either the Miami or Louisville games and then any two of the remaining four games. Maybe more importantly, before you make that decision, call the boosters, set up an arrangement, go by. If you have been there go by and check it out you're going to be impressed with the facilities and uh, i guarantee you if you go through the tour you're probably going to sign up real quick 850-583-9066 line one to uh, buy your ticket schedule a private tour there's misters going in we know the first uh, couple games are night games so you won't have to deal with the sun you get unlimited soft drinks and food it's a good deal so check out the dunlap champions club and we tip our cap to them now with that said here's the front row Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Good evening, everybody. We welcome you to another edition of your favorite show. This is Front Row Knowles, Tom Block, sans Keith Jones, at least for now. KJ, uh, his real job came beckoning, and either that or the fact that he spent a lot of time with me over the last three days of last week spelled a need for vacation. Whatever it was, he's not here, though you will hear him throughout the show because we're going to put the wraps on uh, ACC kickoff later on in the program. We will uh, have our conversation with DeAndre Francois, so Derwin James, Gary Stoken, who's the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl CEO and President. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us. And again, we'll wrap up ACC kickoff, but also get Tim's thoughts in regard to the ACC preseason prognostications. Florida State picked to win the league, and today the all-conference squads came out. Clemson and Miami with better representation on the first team than Florida State. But if you dig a little deeper... I think it shows that there's an awful lot of respect for Florida State across the board, and we'll delve into that when Tim joins us in our next segment. But uh, all in all, it was a very interesting affair in Charlotte in that, for the first time that I can recall, and I've gone to that kickoff for several years now, that the ACC wasn't asked about what it had to do to catch up to other conferences. Instead, the whole talk was about what the ACC needed to do to maintain its status above the SEC. Obviously, Jimbo made a lot of headlines for his comments that the ACC was the Premier League, which was pretty interesting because every coach at the ACC kickoff said the same thing, but it was only Jimbo's uh, that made headlines for saying it. But they all had the same talking points. In fact, the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference office had a nice, uh, at least front and back one document, probably was deeper than that, that uh, spelled out, Every reason the ACC should be uh, looked at as the top conference right now, which had to do with one loss record in the bowl games against power fives in New Year's six bowls, all that stuff. So everybody was speaking from the same Bible, so to speak, in terms of ACC coaches. So Tim and I will debrief about that uh, coming up. uh, And then later on, we'll hear from Florida State's quarterback, Florida State's star safety. Good interviews with both of them. I was impressed uh, 
with both. I think on the Derwin side of the ledger, you've got a guy who, if it's not the right guy, the hype train could really be out of control uh, in, in terms of having the cart in front of the horse, so to speak. But I don't think Derwin's that kind of guy. He's focused. He's ready to get back on the field. He's not paying attention to a lot of what Jimbo would refer to as clutter there. And then DeAndre, who I had a chance to interview several times, obviously, the last year during his redshirt freshman season, he seemed more mature more poised to be the leader of this team or of this offense, even though by nature he is a a more quiet guy than he is a rah-rah guy. So both those interviews are coming up. Gary Stoken uh, from the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl have some interesting comments about that game, including talk that uh, Florida State will probably be on future preseason matchups there. In fact, the Knowles already are scheduled to play West Virginia in a couple years, but uh, safe to say that there'll be conversations continuing to have Florida State and Atlanta for this preseason game every three or four years uh, after that as well. Before we welcome uh, Tim Linnefeld to the program, I do need to remind you that uh, have you not, if you have not checked out uh, Centrale Italian Parlor, you need to do so. Make a mental note of this. They have Meatball Mondays over there, which includes Meatball Pizza. So if you're uh, thinking maybe I should head over there for lunch, give it a try on Monday. Uh, you can learn more at centraliitalian.com. And then uh, a township plug as well. They've always got something unique and generally cholesterol-filled going on on Thursdays. And uh, tomorrow, no exception. If you're into liters of beer and free pork belly, uh, this Thursday's for you from 7 to 9. Order any liter and receive some free pork belly bites in a garlic chili glaze. All right. Tim Linnefelt, waiting patiently in the on-deck circle, and uh, he'll join us next when Front Row Knowles rolls on. Stay with us. Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom Block. Again, Keith Jones, uh, an unexcused absence uh, today, although he is in portions of the program. You'll hear him again next segment uh, when we uh, have a chance to say hello to DeAndre Francois and Derwin James. But right now, via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, we say hello to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Tim, how are you? I'm great, Tom. How are you? I'm doing very well. We had a chance to spend some time together. As a matter of fact, the uh, entire Florida State beat at the ACC kickoff. We were sort of like sheep. We were just all going from room to room together. We would eat our meals together, drink our adult beverages together. It was a good bonding experience for everybody that covers the Knowles last week. Oh, yeah. It's always a, a lot of fun, and you kind of get to, to meet, uh, see everybody. It's, it's sort of like I, I think of it as the first day of school. You know, you're familiar with all these guys, and you've known them for so long, all these other people. Uh, but, uh, you know, with the summer, there's a good chance you haven't seen them. Uh, in a few weeks or a few months, and everybody, you know, usually has a different haircut or has put on some weight or lost some weight or got some new clothes or whatever. So, you know, everything's very similar, but just a little bit different. Yeah, David Hale, kudos to him from uh, ESPN for uh, advertising, for organizing a dinner the first night, Uh, and I felt bad, and I don't even remember the gentleman's name, but there was one beat writer there who covers Syracuse, and the other 11 people at the table were all part of the Florida State Party. So, you know, it was pretty much a one-way conversation, and it didn't involve the orange. But anyway, I appreciated David uh, arranging that dinner. 
Uh, just to put this thing to bed, general thoughts, you still good with the kickoff in Charlotte? What do we need to improve? Or what do we need to lobby the ACC to do next year? I mean, where are we on this? Uh, you know, I, th- I think it's good. Uh, it, it's tough in this day and age. You know, it's funny when you think about uh, the ACC kickoff, and you've been going on to them for longer than I have, and I've been going for a while. Uh, it seems like they've gotten less and less relaxed, if that makes any sense. Like when, you, when you're up there, and you know, they used to hold them at the golf resorts and do all that kind of stuff, it just seems so laid back. And, you know, you, you, you play the golf tournament with, uh, with some guys, and there was a lot more sort of just hours or you know, time for, for the, the media and some of the players and coaches just to sort of be in the same space, if you will. You know, like they used to have sort of the, the it was almost, almost like a social hour kind of thing out on the lawn. I remember that at the Grand Over. Where you could just sort of you know be around some of the the personalities from the league, players, coaches, but also some you know executives and whatever else. And you could kind of just talk about stuff, you know, uh, you talk about football for sure. We kind of talk about other stuff too, if if you were so inclined. And it really, in my opinion, helps sort of you know build some of those relationships and and kind of you know put everybody on the same level, just sort of as people, which uh, you know maybe made it easier to work with each other, you know, come the fall and then in subsequent years. And, and now everything just moves so fast. Uh, it, it just feels sort of different. And you know, I mean, I like the format of a uh, kickoff and that it's very streamlined. It's very, uh, very quick. It's very efficient. There's not a lot of wasted time there. Uh, but it also feels just, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit different now. And I kind of like the, uh, the older atmosphere. Well, and that's what most would say. And we're sort of getting into the minutia that the listeners don't really care about. But I agree that you do miss out on, I mean, they used to have a more formal dinner where you'd, you know, you'd end up sitting with a coach or, an AD or administrators from another university, so you'd sort of get to know them a little bit more, and some of that has gone away. But I'm one of the guys that advocated to get it to Charlotte to make it a little easier for non-Tobacco Road media to get in and out of the kickoff, so I can't really go back and complain too uh, vehemently about it at this point. Enough about that, Tim. Nobody cares about this stuff for us. Uh, <laughs> it was a good time. Was a fa- I will say that for Radio Row, I do think they do a pretty good job of, of getting you everybody there on Radio Row. Uh, I mean, Dabo even talked to Jeff Cameron this year. So, I mean, we've 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 covered some real ground uh, in terms of the the access there. Yeah, I was really uh, yeah, I was really uh, surprised. Not me getting surprised in the word, but I was, it was cool to see. I know I saw DeAndre, uh, Francois, and Derwin James go on radio in Louisville and some other places. It seemed like if, if there was a guy you wanted, no matter who you were, you got him. Uh, on the radio show was a pretty cool thing. Yeah, yeah. So from the electronic side, I thought that was that was pretty good. All right, the news this week, uh, and we'll start with today's, and then we'll go to the team. But uh, today, the uh, all conference squads have been announced uh, for the uh, the preseason all conference squads, and we voted on this. Had to vote by Friday. It's kind of interesting. We get together for the kickoff, and then they hold the release of this. But uh, the team comes out. Clemson leads all schools with five picks on the preseason team, and uh, I think Miami. Uh, who was picked to win the Coastal, they finished second with four picks. So on the surface, that seems like maybe uh, Florida State folks would be upset. But as I look down and you sort of look deeper at the way the votes went, I I think this speaks to how good Florida State potentially is. An example is if you look at defensive ends, so Josh Sweat didn't make the first team, but he was third overall in terms of votes, and, and Brian Burns I think was sixth. And then you look at defensive tackle, DeAndre Fran- uh, Derek Noddy rather, didn't make the first team uh, because they only selected two, but he was third and DeMarcus Christmas was fourth. And you, you can go through and find a lot of examples like that. So I guess what I'm saying is the depth, Florida State's pretty well represented if, if you dig a little deeper across this team. Absolutely. You know, looking at that team, the two things that stuck out to me are, are one, the, the depth of the league and just how much talent there is across the league. I mean, if you look at some of those guys, um, especially on defense, uh, you know, we all think that Derek Noddy and Josh Sweat are, are excellent players. But, man, it's really hard to argue against Harold Landry and Bradley Chubb, right? Uh, you know, the same in the middle. Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins might be 
the two best defensive tackles in the country, and Derek Nottie could be the third best defensive tackle in the country, potentially, you know. He just happens to occupy the same, not only the same conference, but the same division. So I'm trying to get too upset over that. And then the other thing, like, just to kind of piggyback what you said, that's obvious to me is just how, how deep Florida State is. Uh, there were not, you know, the, the, the three first team selects, I guess it all is the first team, the three selects of the preseason all the team. But there were six more players from Florida State who finished in the top three uh, of their voting, of their respective voting. Uh, DeAndre Francois, Ricky Aguayo, Derek Nadi, uh, a bunch of guys. Ryan Izzo is on that in that group too. So plenty of players are just right there at the surface. And you know, um, having you know guys that are the, the two or three best of your position, you, you, and again, it's all voting anyway. But having guys right near the top of those lists uh, for your team, I think, is just as valuable as having guys with their names on that that first team list, which you know certainly looks good and goes nicely on a resume. But there's I, I don't take it as a sign of disrespect for Florida State at all, especially when you consider, and I don't know if we've talked about this yet, that Florida State was the runaway pick to win the league uh, overall. I guess we should point out who made the first team from Florida State, and Derwin James obviously is there. Uh, Tavares McFadden is there. And then the other one is interesting, not on the defensive side of the ball because Nadi did not make it, but Alec Eberly did. And I say it's interesting because amongst Florida State fans, you hear a lot of talk that Eberly's not going to be the starting center, or maybe it's it's you know it's going to be Bavion. I think it is going to be Eberly, and I I think he's going to end up having a pretty good year. And I'm curious your opinion on it. I I know that you know he there were some times last year that obviously he struggled, but he was hurt, and I think they really feel like on top of the fact that he's stronger, that now that he got his hip fixed. He'll be able to uh, have enough mobility to get to places that he could. Frankly, he couldn't get to last year to make blocks. Well, I, you know, a few things. One, I'll, I'll bet anybody listening right now, I'll bet any of us lunch that Alec Everly, if the, provided that he's healthy and fully recovered from surgery, that he'll be the starting center against Alabama in Week One. I've, I'm, I just, I mean, I, I don't know that I could be more sure of that. It's, it's definitely going to happen. Uh, two, when you brought up the the things that he's going to that he struggled with, you know, the thing that's really easy to forget is that. You know, maybe more than any any group on the on the team, and maybe in, in any of sports, the offensive line works together. And if, if things aren't clicking for everybody, uh, it can make it easy for individual guys to look bad when maybe they they shouldn't be. You know, um, and so you know, I think you have to take that into account. Uh, and then the fact that look, I mean, he's he's a two year starter. He started 19 straight games. He's going to be a fourth year junior. You can look at him if if anybody was at the Lift for Life event uh, yesterday at the at the indoor practice facility. Man, he looks like a different guy, not just because he shaved his head. Uh, he's obviously added some strength and speed. So if you, you you add the getting healthy, uh, making some gains physically, and then now you're talking about you know, four years of experience. Uh, I think he's the obvious choice of center, and and I agree with you. I think he could have a pretty nice year too. Another interesting thing on the offensive side of the ball is that if you tally up the votes at running back, Jacques Patrick received the third most votes. So he just missed being preseason first team all ACC behind Mark Walton from Miami and Dedrick Mills from Georgia Tech. Uh, and again, you know, on the FSU side of the ledger, we're all kind of curious as to how Jimbo is going to distribute carries. Is it really going to be Patrick? Is it going to end up being Akers as the season wears on, which I think is what most people expect? What do you think about that? Uh, you know, I think you're going to see more of a, a, a split between splitting carries the way you saw in, in Jimbo's first few years before Dalvin Cook came and, and sort of asserted himself in that role. It's something that, you know, I think all coaches would say they like to have a, a, a featured back and guy that they can just give the ball to 20, 25 times a game. But the, the reality is most teams don't do that anymore. And, and Florida State has just a, a ton of running backs, guys with a lot of talent. And, you know, I understand that we, we get excited about the freshman and Cam Akers is an easy guy to get excited about, but, you know, it wasn't all that long ago that Jacques Patrick came in here with an awful lot of uh, high school hype uh, as well. He's a former five-star guy, and, and, you know, again, 
uh, kind of similar to Alec Everly. You know, he's talking talking about getting in his third year in the program, third year in the strength and conditioning program. Uh, you know, third year looking more like a college football player, getting comfortable and, and, and knowing what he's supposed to be doing. Uh, I think he has the capabilities to do some really nice things. And does that mean I think he's going to be uh, you know, leaned on the way that Dalvin Cook was? And I know I don't think that. I don't think anybody does. I do think Cam Akers is going to get involved uh, as well. But, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if you saw something like a you know a an eighty twenty split in the early goings, and that kind of moved closer to seventy thirty sixty forty, and so on and so on as the uh, the season progresses. And assuming that Cam Akers takes the the steps that I think everybody expects him to. And then one other thing I want to say about the uh, the running backs, and, and take this for what it's worth, is every time Jimbo Fisher is asked about the the running back position, and I mean every time I've heard it, he, he saw today's kickoff, he always makes a point to bring up Amir Rasul. Uh, that's a guy that I think we sort of have, have maybe not paid as close attention to for, for you know, I guess, obvious reasons. There's just so many running backs on the depth chart. But I think it's interesting that uh, unprovoked, uh, anytime Jim was asked about Jacques Patrick or Cam Akers, uh, it's not long before he brings up a mirror. So he really likes what he can do. He likes how fast he is and, and maybe has a, that element of speed and shiftiness. And he's a track guy. Uh, that that maybe uh, that could be unique to him in that place with the running back. So just somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, Jim likes to talk about him a lot. No, I agree. And I think... You know, if he's one of the kickoff return guys, like say it's he and Gavin, and I don't know who it'll be, I I think that's an area where Florida State can be much better there, and and frankly, the punt return game too. I mean, Bobo wasn't to me; he wasn't anything special. But once he got hurt last year, and you saw Nyquan struggle, you know, even that was a an adventure every time there was a punt. But I think in both return games, Florida State should be much better this year. I do too, and you know you need to keep your eye on it as far as that goes. Is old number three and uh, Thurlin James? They worked with him there in the spring, and after talking to him at kickoff, uh, he wants to do it. Now we'll see if, if Jim wants to put him back there, but, but Darwin really wants to be uh, a kick returner. He wants to have the ball in his hands uh, and, and make an impact that way. So uh, I know that thought kind of probably gets people excited. Uh, we'll see if Jimbo Fisher actually goes through with it at, at any given point, but I, I guarantee you that Derwin's kind of chomping at the bit for it. I would like to see it for a lot of reasons. Number one, he looked real comfortable catching punts. I know it was not against a rush. To me, he looked very comfortable and fluid catching them in the spring game. But, you know, Nyquan has had his challenges making sure that uh, he's dotting the I's and, and and I guess I should call him Nooney. I sound like Jimbo calling him Nyquan here. Let's call him Nooney, which is what everybody else calls him. You know, I mean, he, he needs to make sure. To me, I'd be fine with him focusing 100% on what he needs to do as a receiver uh, and not having to worry about the added uh, responsibility of returning punts. I, I'd be okay if that ends up being Derwin and uh, Levanta Taylor, and I'm probably leaving somebody out, and just go with it that way. And, and you know, the other thing I'll say, and uh, we'll see what he does with, with Derwin, but uh, historically and traditionally, Jim has never been afraid of putting his most talented guys uh, on special teams. You saw him do it with Marcus Joyner. You saw him do it with, um, with Rashad Green, Greg Reed, of course, going back a few years before that. Uh, so it's not like he's going to be afraid of guys getting hurt. I think it's just a matter of, uh, of you know, who he feels comfortable with back there. And if there's one thing that we all know for absolute sure, uh, the guys are going to be returning kicks. So they're going to be the guys uh, who Jimbo trusts the most to come up and catch the ball. I know, you know, that kind of drives him crazy. He loves to talk about the, the hidden yards. Whoever can reliably catch the ball uh, is going to get the first crack at it. And then whoever can do something with it once they catch it, uh, that'll be factored in after that. But catching the ball is, is always the number one priority. Yeah, and that's where Nooney struggled last year. Hey, side note, I thought about this when you were talking about the running backs. Was there a way in the balloting to vote for a write-in candidate? Or were we – because I, if there was, I didn't figure it out. I only chose from who was uh, nominated by the schools. I think there was a deal um, – I'm not sure. I, I could be wrong on this, but I think you could um, like enter in a name. There's like a space at the top of the ballot. But I was a little confused by it, too. These computers are – 
All right. kind of stuff. I know well, you, it, you, it came you know. up with it came up when I was looking at you know I'm looking and there wasn't a place to put Cam Akers in there anywhere. Not that I would have necessarily voted for him over Patrick, and there were probably some other instances. Okay, well then I just I flunked reading the computer screen then if there was a way to do a write in there. It wasn't I, obvious. I know that. Anything else about this uh, all conference squad jump out to you? Uh, let me let me just beat up the mic. By the way, hold on. Did you, there you go. All right, I'm good now. Go ahead. You still with me? I am. Yeah, I was just. I was. Uh, the mic was punching back, so I had to settle him down there. Go ahead. Okay. Well, you know, to me, man, when you look at the uh, the defensive linemen from that team, from those teams that aren't uh, from Florida State, and you realize this, uh, Florida State's going to be going up against some of the best defensive linemen. Uh, in the country, interior uh, ends. Uh, the the offensive line is going to be going up against some some future NFL guys this fall between Landry and Chubb from NC State. Uh, Farrell from Clemson is really good. The kid from Wake Forest, uh, Duke Edgeafor, I think is his name. Uh, obviously, Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence from Clemson. Uh, Miami, who we haven't even talked about really yet, they have an outstanding defensive line again. Uh, you know, the the Florida State offensive line. I know we've talked about it a lot, and probably will moving forward. Uh, but they're going to have some serious challenges ahead just because, I mean, man, you're talking about maybe, I don't know, three of the top five defensive lines in the country. That's probably not too far off. Uh, and Florida State's got them all on the schedule this year. So it uh, should be a lot of fun to see uh, and, uh, and, you know, something that, to, to keep, to, excuse me, to pay attention to uh, just because, man, there's some really, really talented defensive linemen in the ACC. Yeah, and that's the storyline this year. Last year it was all the good quarterbacks FSU was going to face. This year we're going to hear about the defensive lines all, all year long that if, because it is a – a stout crew. The one other name that that I saw, and it's not a glamour position at FSU, but Ryan Izzo was third amongst tight ends uh, receiving votes, and and I didn't. I, I voted for the Wake Forest kid there because there's a lot of other schools in the league there that are going to get their tight end 50 catches this year, and and Jimbo's just not going to do that. But I did go back and look at is if you look at Izzo and what he did his first two years, the numbers are really comparable to what O'Leary did in his first two years, which is basically, you know, 12 or 13 catches, then 23 or 24. And so I do think that you're going to see Izzo get to 35 to 40 this year, which is where O'Leary was and really be a weapon for FSU. I agree completely. Uh, in fact, I expected him to have a, a breakout year last year, and I really expect him to have one this year. Um, you know, he was one of the stars, really, of, of spring camp, a guy that, that Jimbo talked about a lot. Uh, when when he wasn't happy with with the rest of the offense, he was happy with Izzo. Was always being you know, thought out as a leader and somebody who was was you know, taking control in in, in his uh, I guess his, his fourth year in the program now. Uh, and he also mentioned you know, a lot of people asked him about uh, the receiver depth and, and you know the, the lack thereof or the perceived lack thereof. And, and he mentioned almost about a B, but we can get our tight ends involved, uh, and that means more Ryan Izzo and also Maven Saunders who. Uh, it seemed to kind of really catch on by the end of last year as well. But, no, I agree with you completely. I, I expect Izzo to have a big year. In fact, honestly, I was tempted uh, to, to vote for him uh, in the first-team spot. I did end up going with Cam Sturignay from, from Wake Forest just because of his overall body of work. But it was a tough call, and I wouldn't surprise me at all uh, if Ryan Izzo was in that spot at the end of the year, which, as we all know, is what really matters. On the team side, FSU was picked to win the Atlantic and win the, uh, the league overall by beating Miami – in Charlotte, is this actually going to happen this year? FSU Miami in the ACC championship game? Listen, Tom, I don't, I don't bet against the streak, and the streak says that Miami's not going to win the Coastal, and until they do, uh, I'm not going to feel too confident picking them to do it. No, I, I should say that I did pick Miami to win the Coastal uh, because they seemed like a little bit uh, more likely than everybody else in that division. But just like any other time, uh, that, that, that division might be the most unpredictable in college football. You never really know. Uh, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think you could make a case for, I don't know, 
four or five different teams to, to feasibly win that that division and, and, and get to Charlotte. So right, Miami's probably the most likely, but not by much. Miami's schedule is favorable, and to me, they're going to be 7-1 and one, uh, at the end of October, the loss coming here, and they're going to be ranked high. And then, to me, the schedule gets a little bit more difficult, and they're not as deep. You know, Florida State had to worry about getting to 85 on scholarship. Miami's only got 75 guys on scholarship right now. To me, that's going to show up in November if they get some injuries. But anyway, last comment from you. Uh, lift for life. How was it? Oh, it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, it's been interesting to see that event kind of evolve over the last few years. It started four years ago. Uh, Kevin Hapley, if you remember him, brought that to, to Florida State from his time at Penn State. And, you know, the, the, the two games of Tug of War that, that wrapped up the uh, the event were amongst the, uh, the most in, in, intense games, the most intense uh, competitive matchups I've ever seen. You had guys that were just absolutely going at it. You know, usually you, you get a game of Tug of War and it lasts, what, like three, four, five seconds? I mean, this. I, uh, I shot a video and posted on my Twitter and I actually counted from the time that, that Vic Valoria let go of the rope till they finally had a winner. And you're talking about a 22nd game. And for a while there, they were absolutely deadlocked, just, just pulling and, and nobody you know, making any, any headway on either side. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Derwin James was screaming out like this, you know, this sort of like primal scream to rally his strength. It was a really intense moment, guys jumping up and down, having a lot of fun. Uh, so that was really cool. And then also great news for them and that they, uh, they, they had set a goal of $5,000 to raise. Uh, in support of the kids' first fund and, and had blown past that goal uh, as of this morning, well over $6,000. So uh, obviously a, a, a successful event for them. And, and special shout-out to Alec Eberly, who's the president of the Florida State chapter uh, of Uplifting Athletes. He does all the organization and the legwork and, and plans out the whole event. And uh, and it went together, came together uh, really nicely, I thought. Good deal. Good synopsis. More about that is on Seminoles.com. Tim, thank you as always. You got it, Tom. We'll see you. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt. More of Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Gary Stoken is the president and CEO of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. He's the gentleman that put this Alabama-Florida State matchup together. Keith and I had a chance to chat with them, and uh, so let's listen in. This was from ACC Kickoff in Charlotte. GOAT, greatest opener of all time. Very clever the way you marketed that, and uh, very fortuitous the way it worked out that it is going to turn out to be that. Uh, we don't know the rankings as we talk, but I think it's a pretty safe bet. It's probably going to end up one verse two. So you couldn't be more pleased with the way this materialized. Well, we thought a game of this magnitude with two of the greatest coaches in college football right now since 2010. Alabama's won 86 games more than anybody. Florida State's second won 78 games. Five of the last eight national championships are these two teams and uh, two great coaches from West Virginia who've won a national championship on the same staff. And there's so many great bylines. A new state-of-the-art, world-class facility. And number one against number two, we had to come up with something. And my staff did a great job of coming up with GOAT, so we're creating a GOAT logo, and we're going to merchandise it, and so we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Gary, how, how have these games grown to the point where they're now 
a, a part of college football's landscape. They're not outliers anymore. No, you're right. We, uh, we started this in 2008, and um, it was during the BCS year. When we moved to the college football playoff era, the committee demanded people play better non-conference schedules to get into the college football playoff. So we've been fortuitous in creating this prior to and then having the help of the committee dictating that people schedule tougher games. And you can't always get a home-and-home. And in all reality, financially, as an AD, you're better off doing neutral-neutral because when you do a home-and-home and and go away, you don't make any money. If you go neutral-neutral, you're making money on both years. And in our case, you know, it's $5 million, which they're going to net more for our game than they would at a home game. So that's a win for the AD. It's a win for the coach. Great recruiting base they're coming to, number one. Number two, the intensity level of the players in the spring and summer workouts goes to a whole new level when you know you're playing against a high-ranked opponent on national TV. Uh, So that helps the coaches. And then thirdly, it helps the coaches in that they can learn a lot more about their team after playing a tough opponent than playing a non-directional school or playing an FCS school and winning by halftime. And so you get the attention of the kids after game one, so you can coach them up better, game game one to game two, and get ready for your conference. And collectively, you can get uh, your team to pay better attention to you because collectively they have a better feel of where they're going. So how, how or why two games this year? You've, you've done it in the past, but you don't do it every year. No, that's, that's a good point. We, we talk with the ACC. And the ACC has the exclusive time slot in their ESPN contract on Monday night, unopposed, so it's a great TV slot for exposure. It's it's typically the one of the highest-ranked games until the bowl season. So we talked to the ACC and said, when do you have openings? We'll help you out when it makes sense. And so this was an opening. I went to Georgia Tech because, you know, I told them, I said, we're opening a new stadium. It'd be great for your brand to play in a new stadium in, in Atlanta, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And I said, put the tickets on your season ticket package. They put it on their season ticket package, sold through 32,000 tickets, and came back for about 3,000 more. So it's going to be great for Georgia Tech fans to be a part of this. Um, it's going to be a great game. We're going to do something special for Bobby Dodd, who was an All-American at Tennessee and national championship coach at Georgia Tech. He's one of only three people that are inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame as a player and a coach. So we're going to have the Dodd family there. Um, we're going to do something special for uh, – and we manage the Dodd Trophy, which is the preeminent college coach of the year that Bobby Bowden's won before. Uh, Nick Saban has won. So we're going to do something special around this game with that. How many schools are interested in playing in your kickoff game every year? What's interesting, I just got an email from an ACC school 10 minutes ago asking about 2024 to play in our kickoff game. So we now have schools contacting us. Uh, We're out there 2020. We've got Florida State coming back to play West Virginia in the Bowden Bowl. Uh, And then Virginia to play Georgia on Monday. Uh, 2021, we're close to having done. 2022 and 23, we're in negotiations. 2024, I've got one game done. And uh, so my wife, uh, in my office in my house, she calls me a beautiful mind. I've got the recruiting rankings, the coaches' contracts, the uh, schedules of the teams, and who's got openings and who doesn't. And 
who could potentially be ranked teams going forward because, you know, you're, you're booking out four or five years. So um, so it's pretty interesting. You just talked to a lot of coaches and ADs like I did with Jimbo in 2010 when he got the job and said, we'd love to have you play in this and one time. And he said, let me get my system in place and my process and my recruits, and then we'll come play. Well, they win the championship in 13. I talked to him. He says, we're ready to go. Yeah. I said, I got Nick Saban in Alabama in 17. He said, we're playing. So you don't always know if a friend wants to play a friend. These guys are good friends. Both grew up in West Virginia. But I credit Jimbo and I credit Nick Saban because they want to compete at the highest level. And so they're not afraid of these games. They want their kids to compete at the highest level. And that's what they're all about. So I give them all the credit in the world to want to play in a game like this. So tell us about the stadium. Yeah, it's going to be unbelievable. I mean, Arthur Blank, he deserves all the credit. Put $1.2 billion of his own money in, and he wanted a true fan experience. So you're going to see the the halo board is what they're calling it. It's taller than Jerry Jones' board in Dallas, but it goes 360 degrees around the whole state. It's unbelievable, phenomenal. The roof is going to open and close like a camera aperture. There's a bar that's 100 yards, goes the whole distance of the field. Um, the food and drink, he's going to charge a buck fifty, two bucks for a Coke, and you're going to be able to get free refills. He's going to charge three fifty for a Chick-fil-A like you spend in a Chick-fil-A store. So there's not going to be exorbitant markups to any of the food. Wasn't that a parameter that if a restaurant came in, they had to charge the same price as what they charge outside the state? That's exactly right. So how much money is he giving up in that that sense? But he wants the fans to experience something that's unique. And the sight lines are great, tight sight lines. Um, You know, it's just going to be an immersive experience. And it's up to us outside of the stadium to create that bowl-type atmosphere for our kickoff game because... This game was started, we wanted to create a celebration of college football. So whether it's the College Football Hall of Fame and we'll make it more Florida State, Alabama-centric, to our tailgate town, Home Depot tailgate town outside, to our inside Coca-Cola fan zone in the Congress Center, you know, everything will be geared. Even the, the script of the games will make it as much as we can like a Florida State and Alabama home game. Our trophy is, is a, uh, the old leather helmet. We wanted to make an interactive trophy like the Stanley Cup. So we made a helmet harking back to the old College Football Hall of Fame days, the old leather helmet, and we presented it to the coach. Gus Melzon, Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney have all put the helmet on after the game, and then they turn it over to the players. And the players all put it on and do Heisman poses and take selfies. Jimbo and I took a picture uh, prior to the start of this uh, media days, and I said, Jimbo, you know, if you win, you got to put this on. He says, I'll look forward to that. If we win this game, that helmet will go on. So, <laughs> For our listeners who may be confused, uh, when I played, it wasn't that helmet. I'm not that old. <laughs> you know I was going to go there if you didn't. <laughs> you got to have fun doing this no stuff, question. right? It's no college question. football. So it's going to be a unique, fun experience in a, in a great world-class state-of-the-art stadium. And, hey, guys, these two teams can match up at the end of the season well, very well that, in the same city in the same stadium. That, that's the where National I was going next. Now, you know, when you look at what's happened with Atlanta over the last two decades, 
in large part because of the SEC championship game being there and what and what your folks have done with the, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl over the years. But now the College Football Hall of Fame is there. You still have the SEC championship. You've got these kickoff games. This year you get the national championship game. It really feels like Atlanta is sort of the epicenter of college football. Well, from your lips to God's ears, that's what we've been trying to do is really take college football, which, you know, as you guys know, football in the South is a religion. And we've got the number one or number two alumni bases of all the ACC, SEC schools living in Atlanta. We've got just passionate football people in Atlanta, the College Football Hall of Fame, these Chick-fil-A kickoff games. Our Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl is going to be our 50th anniversary. Our golden season is going to be played January 1st, leading into the Rose Bowl. When do you ever think that would happen, uh, which hosts the semifinal this year? Um, Florida State LSU was our first game back in 1968. And here we are 50 years later. I mean, there was times when the Peach Bowl could have gone out of business. And here we are, part of the New Year's Six. We'll have two top ten teams playing the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. We'll have the number one and number two play at the end of the season. Number one and number two play at the beginning of the season. And who knows what the SEC championship will be. But there'll be two top ten teams. Mm -hmm. So one, two, three, four. You know, you got four games at least they're going to have top 10 teams playing in, in the city of Atlanta this year in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yeah, well, we're, we're looking forward to opening the season there, and I know you mentioned FSU's... And closing the season. And, there, right? and closing the season. <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention, you know, it's great that you're celebrating your 50th anniversary, but with due respect, Florida State's hoping they're not in that game. They, they'd prefer yeah, to be in the one yeah, a little I don't later. blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, final thought from you. You've got FSU West Virginia, I think, in 2020. Right, right. Florida State has a big alumni base there. Jimbo and FSU have been willing to play these games. Uh, it feels like there's a chance that this kind of thing could happen. I don't know what the number is. Alabama's been in it five times, but I, what I'm driving at is you, you're probably in conversation with Florida State for 2024 or some of those years down the road. Well, you are. Uh, definitely are. I've talked to Jimbo. I've talked to Stan Wilcox. And, you know, because there's such a big alumni base up there, because Georgia is important to Florida State's recruiting, Very. Uh, Jimbo and, and Stan have, have said, hey, we want to be back there. And so we're talking about future games as well. And I just saw Tommy Bowden outside, and I was asking about his dad. I said, you know, because people are calling the West Virginia-Florida State game the Bowden Bowl. And he said, uh, Bobby will be 90 years old in 2020. And I said, well, we're going to bring Bobby up to the Bowden Bowl, West Virginia-Florida State, in, in 2000 in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So, uh, yeah, Florida State's been very good to us. And uh, Jimbo, we love Jimbo. We love Stan. And so hopefully we get him back after 2020 as well. Great. Congra well congratulations. Yeah, and, and if, if that all comes into play, it's going to be very fitting because, remember, Bobby's last game was against West Virginia as That's a head a great coach. point. I forgot about that. Yeah, that'd be a great, great way to – Tie them all together, right? Yep. yep. So, uh, continued success to you. It's a big year. Oh, thanks so much. Appreciate and, you guys having us. Yeah, by the way, as a footnote, not that this is all on his watch, but the Super Bowl and the Final Four are coming to Atlanta in the next two years, too. So That's exactly right. There's, there's got to be a lot of centers. New, new Braves Stadium. I mean, there's a lot going on in Atlanta. These well, days. with the new Braves Stadium, I know that uh, the Braves are probably going to make a pitch for the All Star game at some point as well. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot happening. Great facilities and um, you know, we're just blessed to be there with the great corporate support of the Coca-Colas, Chick-fil-A's, Home Depot's, uh, Kia's, et cetera, et cetera. And we've got the best staff in the business. To be able to do two games in 48 hours of this ilk in a new stadium is quite an undertaking. And then our volunteers, we really enjoy hosting people. There's a true perspective and feeling of Southern hospitality in the city of Atlanta. So we look forward to everybody coming up. 
please come to the College Football Hall of Fame. It's a great, I don't know if you've been, but it's a great uh, immersive experience where you'll get a Florida State experience, but you also get a total college football experience as well. All right. We look forward to seeing you in a few weeks. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you again to Gary Stoken from the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Look forward to this matchup. It's going to be a lot of fun kicking off the football season in Atlanta. If you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can visit them online at ctf.nu or give them a call at 580-1200. DeAndre Francois, Derwin James, coming up next on Front Row Knowles. The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. We continue on Front Row Knowles, take you back to Charlotte and the ACC kickoff. Keith and I had a chance to chat with Florida State's veteran signal caller at this point, DeAndre Francois, and here's that conversation. Well, how's it feel to be a, a grizzled vet now at this, uh, DeAndre? I mean, a, a year ago, uh, you weren't the guy necessarily. You had to go into a quarterback battle, and now you are. So a lot's changed in 365 days for you. Yeah, man, I'm just uh, I'm blessed to be here right now. I, I'm taking it all in, accepting that, uh, all the challenges that's coming my way, um, trusting Coach Fisher, trusting the process, and really just polishing up everything that I could polish up, all phases of my game, mentally, physically, emotionally. Do you like this part of it? I mean, um, it's cool. I'm learning to like it. If I don't like it, then I'm, I'm not going to want to be here. So I'm just trying to like it <laughs> so I can just accept the fact that I have to be here. Well, I ask you that because I mean, it seems by nature like you're more of a quiet guy, and this is this is come out and talk. And, and effect, yeah, yeah I'm know. trying to open up. I'm trying to be better at that. You know, I'm a quarterback, so I have to have, you know, some kind of communication skills. But uh, it's good to come out here and uh, and network and uh, um, just have this opportunity because there's a lot of people that want to be right where I am right now. Along the lines of communication and leadership skills, because that goes with the quarterback position too. Now that you're entrenched as the starter, it's more natural, I would think, or easier for your teammates to follow you because you have a proven track record. Do you feel that's fair as you go into this, as compared to last year when you were the new kid still trying to earn your stripes, so to speak? Yeah, that's fair. I feel like, um, you know, my teammates have no choice but to respect me now, you know, just from what I've done this past season and, you know, just the type of guy I am. You know, everybody likes me, man. I'm just a guy about team, about family, uh, about love for one another, and a guy about hard work and determination. And, you know, that's what we're honing on this summer, just working hard and preparing. Uh, I heard someone ask you a question earlier today, but I didn't hear what the answer was. The question was, what was in that tent that made you come out of it so quick when you had to go in it? The tent on the sidelines, when they bring you over, you go in the tent and then immediately come back out and go right back out on the field. Someone asked you, what was in the tent that got you out of there so fast? <laughs> oh, I don't know what was in the tent. Uh, uh, probably somebody telling me uh, not, I can't play anymore. You know, I don't want to never go out the game with an injury, but sometimes it's just... It just so happened when you can't play anymore. But if I'm injured and and I'm able to continue playing, I want to. I'm, I'm gonna continue to play. Spring ball, summer, going into fall camp. Give me the two things you're focused on that you've said I got to get better at these two things: decision making and accuracy. Not necessarily saying that they were bad last season, but if I couldn't perfect those two things about my game, then I feel like I can be 
close to being the best quarterback that I can be because that's what the position is all about. And, and my, my last question, because it's a generic one and a lot of people are talking about it, they're looking at Florida State's receiver core. Uh, some kids have left, young kids coming in. When you look at your receivers, what, what are their strengths? What, what, what makes you excited when you drop back and are looking downfield to find them? What are, what are their characteristics that have you excited about throwing to these guys this year? Um, we have a lot of receivers that are different. Um, you know, different in many ways, and they, but they all do have similarities. They all can go up and high point the ball. They all have good routes, and, um, you know, they all just willing to work. They all want to work. They all want to get better. They all love the game of football, so that would bring them a long way. And, it, and just having big guys out there like Tate and Keith Gavin and have quicker guys like Nooney and DJ Matthews, just guys like that that can work and, and I can deke and dunk too. And then guys like Tate that can take the top off the defense and go over the top. It's just good to have that luxury. Who would you look up to growing up? Um, Brady, Russell, Rodgers, and Breeze. Pretty good four. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, was that across the board? Uh, I mean, those were your guys in football. Did you play other sports growing up too? Yeah, I, hoop, I, hoop. I still hoop. I still got a lot of you know basketball uh, dreams, but that's over with. Does Coach know you still hoop? I mean, I shoot around. I don't do nothing. Okay, I was, I'm just checking. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially one like that. But he know that I'm smart enough to understand what's at stake. So I don't. I'm not hooping right now. Of course not. But you know, around January or or February, when I go home on break, I might throw up a couple shots because you know I got to keep my shot, you know, fresh. So, but strictly football right now. I got you. Best of luck to you this year. Look forward to watching your second season as a starter. Thank you. All right, that's DeAndre Francois. Thank you to DeAndre. Earlier today, DeAndre uh, was tabbed, uh, I guess, if you will, second team preseason All-ACC uh, behind Lamar Jackson, not surprisingly. But DeAndre was uh, was quite a popular figure uh, last year and, and, and a big reason why Florida State is picked to win the ACC this year. Another big reason FSU is picked to win the Atlantic Coast Conference, well, number three, who returns to the lineup, Derwin James. Uh, and Keith and I had a chance to chat with Derwin as well. Who's uh, He's got a smile that's uh, infectious, and his passion for the game uh, is, is incredible, too. And I think that'll come through uh, uh, the airwaves here as you listen to our conversation with Derwin. Welcome back. Tom and Keith with you. Pleased to be joined by Derwin James. Derwin, I, I want to start with your competitive nature because I know last year that just seeing you on the sideline when you couldn't play – uh, it looked like agony to yeah, me. Yeah. I, I, how did you get so competitive? Uh, as a as a little kid, you know, um, I, I want to probably thank thank my my mom and my dad for uh, installing on me and my stepdad installing on me. You know, that always had a mentality to be a winner. And so, like whatever it is, I don't care if we we we're shooting basketball, or anything. I want to win. So. Even as a little kid, I used to, uh, in the backyard, battle with my friends. You know, I, I want to win. I wasn't leaving until I got to win. So it was just a thing that carried me over the years. I shared this story on our show, and I'm going to bring it up again. But I, uh, during the spring game, Garnet and Gold game, you're so competitive. I see you on the sideline, and you're watching the defensive signals come in for the team you're playing, and then you're relaying them to Nooney on offense. Oh, hey, yeah. Nooney, cover two, yeah, cover two. Yeah, oh, yeah, man, whatever it takes to win, man. I'm trying to win, man. Like I, like I said, I, I don't like losing, and, you know, those guys, they, they was letting us have it. You know, they was taking it to us. So they letting us have it, so we tried to get them back. That said, how, how devastating and difficult was it for you last year just to have to watch and not be able to contribute beyond 
trying to rally your teammates and being a leader on the sideline? It was one of the toughest things I ever went through as a football player uh, because, like I said, I had never really been injured like that coming up. You know, I always been a guy that was on the field 24-7, never come out the game. So for me to be injured, it was kind of new to me. So I had to really get used to it, you know, because, like I said, I was, at, I was at the top. And, you know, once you get injured, you know, like I said, it humbles you a lot. So that's why I said um, I'm happy to be back. Derwin, when you were having your time out, you, you have to refocus the things that you're paying attention to. You got a good look at your team, your scheme, but through a coach's eyes. Yep. How, how might that benefit you going forward in terms of your uh, understanding what Coach Kelly's saying, what the what the uh, staff is trying to accomplish? Yeah, it, it helps me a lot. It helped me tremendously because now I know how offensive coordinators try to attack the defense or attack me, you know, um, and I, now I can see what the coaches be talking about when, when they're getting on us when we're not doing it right. And, you know, it's hot outside and we just we're ready to go. Like I said, now I understand and it just made the game so much easier for me. I can I know how to actually watch film instead of just watching the film. I can actually break it down with the details of how to do it. So. When you were growing up, when you were a youngster, uh, I'm sure you played a lot of sports. What, what was your favorite sport, five, six, seven years of age? Uh, my favorite sport was always been football. Football, I fell in love with football. That was my, my first sport I was introduced uh, to. Um, I played basketball, too. I, I played basketball all the way up from when I was young into you know, to high school. Um, and then, like I said, I did other sports like baseball, track, pretty much anything with sports I was doing, you know, to keep myself busy, stay out of trouble. Because, like, where I'm from, man, a lot of people don't make it out. So, like, I, I try to keep myself busy so I stay out of trouble. There's a fine line between arrogance and confidence. Yes, sir. And you don't have a problem in the world walking right up to that line. Oh, no. And, and, and towing that line. Where, where did you learn that discipline from um from my from my parents like i say i i was fortunate to have you know a step a stepmom stepdad have four parents a mom and a dad you know so like i like i said they they all t- they, i learned right from wrong at an early age and you know they they kept me in school school was always important in my house and you know you was going to take care of your responsibilities and you know always respect the people that's uh, uh, that's over you so it's like i i learned right from wrong early and you know i just care it just carried me all the way to here you just mentioned that football was always uh, the top sport for you. Who did you who did you uh, idolize or look up to when you were younger? Oh, uh, uh, when I when I was a younger kid, I used to I used to look at uh, uh, Michael Vick because I played offense a lot. You know, I played quarterback, um, and then running backs like Ladanian Thomason and all those guys. And then when I got to high school, I started studying Sean Taylor, Ed Reed, and just different different safeties that I, I feel like I could take some from their game and add it to my game. Well, you're probably aware, maybe you're not, maybe you tune out the social, but there's lots of talk about Sean Taylor and, and how you stack up or ultimately how you're going to stack up. I mean, do, do, do you process any of that at all yeah, in terms yeah, of what you're I, trying to do? Or? Yeah, I pay attention, but like I said, I'm just trying to be the best person I could be as for my teammates and for this organization. Um, really, I, I just want to be Derwin James, you know, and like I said, I want, I want people to remember me as a, as a person that, that can work hard and just be that leader. I know that uh, Dion was just on campus. Did you get a chance to meet him when uh, he came through? No, uh, no, nah, nah, I didn't get to see him. I, um, I didn't get to see him when I was there. What did, What was the attraction to Florida State when you were uh, coming out and you made the decision to come to FSU? Uh, just just the way they ran their program, and just there was one of they was one of the top programs. It wasn't too far from home. Um, only like three and a half hour, four hours from home, and um, it was just I fell in love with him at an early age. You know, coming up as a kid, I fell in love with him, and you know. 
I got offered. They was my actually my first official offer on Florida State in the, in the ninth grade. I committed on a junior day, um, and I just stuck stuck with it. I told Coach Fish I was coming, you know, and for them four years, I I just waited and I waited, and you know, I was finally finally there. I always like asking athletes this, and none of them want to ever really answer. What what's something on Coach Kelly we need to know about that uh, the the world doesn't uh, isn't aware of? Man, that Coach Kelly Coach Kelly will go do anything in the world, you know, for you. He loves his players. He he he's a father figure away from home, and you know, like he only wants the best in between the white lines. He he's not your friend. He's not your best friend, but outside the white lines, he is, and he he's going to get the best out of you. And like I say, he's going to have your back, and like we we do whatever, Coach Kelly. We try to go to work for him. I hear dinners are pretty good at this house. Too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, I I, I spend some time. I spend a lot of time at Coach. Kelly. House, you know, I come eat up the grocery every now and then. You know, they open me, his wife and his kids. Um, they open me, they open me in with open arms, and you know, it feel like family away from home. You know, my family's four hours away, so it ain't nothing to go to Coach Kelly House and get something to eat or something like that. So it's it's, it's, it's nice, man. All right, so you're the number one college player in America. I, I'm, I'm supposed to be in awe of you, right? No, man, I know right, I'm all right, man. I'm, I'm all right. Have you have you have you have you taken any feedback from your teammates? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I get it all the time. If one of the receivers catch a ball on me on Sunday, they'll be like, oh, "Yeah, you the number one player. I can catch it on anybody." So it's like it's a lot that come with it because. You know, sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll be like, "Oh, that's what the one player do. That's what they do." So you know, you get a lot of you get a lot of they give me a lot of problems about it. But it's, when it's uh, when Saturday night in Atlanta rolls around, Tommy will be down on the sideline with you. I'll be up in the booth. We'll have our eye on you. Who else do we need to be paying attention to on the defensive side of the ball that, oh. that you're impressed with oh. over the summer and going into camp? Trey Marshall, Trey Marshall, and Derek Naughty. Those two, those two guys right there, man, and, and Tavares McFadden. Those three guys right there, though, they're, man, they're working like they're working their butts off, man. So, like I say, Tavares McFadden, lockdown corner, Trey Marshall. You, you'll, you'll see him, and then Derek Naughty holding it down in the middle. We wish you the uh, the best of luck this year. It's going to be fun. I know uh, it must feel like a long time for you. I know you played during the spring, but, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a long time since you ran out of the tunnel. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, I know you're excited about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Can't wait, man. Anxious. I wish you could play today. So, like I say, <laughs> I'm, re- I'm ready, man. Coach Kelly always said if you organized a football game in the parking lot I'll, at Walmart. I'll be the first one there. I promise I'll be the first one and the last one to leave. I promise I will. That's what he said. That's exactly the story he tells. Good luck to you this year. All right, thank you, man. All righty, that is Derwin James. Uh, we appreciate him taking a few minutes to join us. We'll react to his comments, and we continue on the front row right after this. We don't need no education. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, just time barely to uh, remind you folks that uh, we come your way each and every Wednesday at 6 you can subscribe to the podcast uh, via iTunes, get the WTSM app for uh, archive versions of the show, and also to stream it live. Follow, well, you can't follow Keith on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter or Front Row Knowles on Twitter, which is just at Front Row Knowles. And I think with that said, I'm finished with the housekeeping for now. Keith will be back in studio and uh, we'll be uh, reunited once more next week. Have a great week, everybody. To sacrifice. Hey.